the series, we're uh, calling it Amazing Love, How Can It Be? And uh, John, more than any of the other disciples, really sheds a light on the lens of God's love and how it uh, should motivate and move us. So here are these words from John, 1 John 10-18. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees him in need, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. The word of the Lord. Well, if you're typing in your computer using Microsoft Word, and you see some words come up in the spell check that you've never seen before, don't be surprised. Every year, the Oxford English Dictionary, along with the Merriam Webster's, add words that have come into common parlance uh, in the English language, thus ever expanding English. And so I've been looking around to see what are sort of the words that have been added in the last couple of years and how you can start to implement them in your own uh, you know, academic papers and so forth. How about this one? Muggle. You can now use muggle. In, in a, you know, it's in the dictionary, so I'm not sure how to use that. I'm like, gosh, that guy's such a muggle. That means he's part wizard or he's no wizard or I don't know. Mud blood has not come in yet, but give it a second, okay? How about this one? Threequel. Not a sequel, it's a threequel because now people are bringing in something before it, the prequel, making a threequel. How about this one? We all do this from time to time. Cyber slacking. Have you ever gone cyber slacking? This isn't about slacks for some of you people. Okay, this is sitting in front of a computer, you know, with your coffee and you're just sort of hanging around and you're slacking. You're not slacking, you're cyber slacking. How about this one, Smackdown? Anybody use that? You can use this now in, a, in an academic treatise, you know? There was frustration on the part of the clerics, and so they gave me a Smackdown. <laughs> I could really hit it. Man Cave. Man Cave. Finally, a place for the guys, the Man Cave. And this is one of my favorites. This went in last, uh, last year. Frenemy. Oh, this person's a frenemy. You know, I just became familiar with this word. I was like, what is a frenemy? Well, they're a friend, and they're an enemy at the same time. Now, I think we're all familiar with this term if we think about it, right? You may have people like this. In fact, you may be one of them. That is your, you know, they're our frenemy, you know? It's like these movies, you know, Mean Girls, Lindsay Lohan, you ever see that? I haven't either. I just love saying the title because it makes me sound dumber. Probably not. Mean Girls, <laughs> you know, it's a tough world out there, folks. High school or the workplace. You know, the classic frenemy, of course, was Brutus, right? With Julius Caesar, he's his buddy, comes down to the end, and lo and behold, that too, Brute, you too, Brutus? I had a Brutus for me when I was younger. His name was Rob. 
I won't even use his last name. He was one of my best friends, and I hated him deeply. <laughs> we were frenemies, you know? We kind of wanted each other to succeed, but certainly not more than we wanted ourselves to succeed. Uh, succeed. And so we were always going neck and neck, you know? Everything was great until we clashed, and then it was me before him, uh, you know, the survival of the fittest. He was my frenemy. See, frenemy doesn't make sense when you really think about it. You know, you're either a friend or you're not. There, there are two dichotomies, certainly in Scripture. You're either willing to give of yourself to someone or you're willing to take from someone for yourself. See, this is the passage in what we're dealing with, this question of what it really means to love, what it really means to be a true friend. You know, the deepest wounds we can have are those from those who are closest to us, aren't they? And the Bible clearly tells us as a church family that we are supposed to live as a family in unity with one another. Now remember, the, the situation going on here is that there have been a group of people in this church who have been preaching a gospel different than Christ. They have not been loving the brothers. They have left. And these people are cut to the heart because they've said, Et tu, Brute, you too, who we thought were our brothers and sisters, have left us. So John the Apostle, the elder one, comes in and is re-instructing people on what it means to love. He tells us that we are supposed to love differently than everyone else. The love that we have is not the love of the world, a frenemy-type love. It's a love that's total friend, total sacrifice, total giving. But he shows us that love is more than talk. It is the walk that comes with the talk. See, love isn't love until you give it away, is it? Love is not love. And so he wants to explain to us what this means to truly love people. And he tells us three specific things in this passage that I want to talk about. Number one, he defines for us what love is not. Before we can know what the sun is, we need to know what the darkness is. What love is not. And then he tells us for the last two points what love is. Firstly, that love brings life. With love, there is life. And finally, that love has legs. There's movement to it. It's more than a simple thought or attitude. It's love in action. Love has legs because love isn't love until you give it away. And so we're going to look at love. And my goal is to kind of hold up a mirror to you and your relationships and how you see people in yourself. And to see if you indeed are loving in a way that God has called you to love and be loved. Well, let's start with our first point. What love is not? 1 John 3.10 By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Last week we talked about practicing righteousness. It was a sermon about how you live. But today we're going to talk about the second part, how you love. Practicing righteousness, yes, that's important, but also loving your brother. Now, John qualifies the statement and explains it. Verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Now, this is the thing I love about Jesus. And the scriptures, from the beginning, as it says, Jesus' message has always been the same, isn't it? Love one another. Lay down your lives. Two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
This has been the message. Remember John, Jesus with his disciples, John 30, 1334, a new commandment I, I give you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. By this, all the world will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus was saying it's not enough to love someone like yourself. It actually means loving someone more than yourself. That's what it means. That's the message from the beginning. And so we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Now, if you dust off your flannel graph and your old Bibles, you'll remember the story of Cain and Abel, right? Two children, Adam and Eve's first two kids. Adam and Eve have sinned. They brought forth children, and sin is in the world. And we see this troubling result between these two sons. Talk about sibling rivalries. We even see that one is called of the evil one, Cain. There's a dichotomy of people. There's a dichotomy of parents. I said this last week that everybody at the end of the day belongs to one family or the other. Of the holy one or of the evil one. And if you read the Bible, starting from Cain and Abel, what you'll discover is that there's a gap in a fissure that widens and widens between two types of people. And this battle will finish at the end with this giant climax. That's why every movie finishes with the giant good versus evil battle. Because it's the story of humanity. The story of those who are of God and those who are of the evil one. Now why was Cain of the evil one? If you go back to Genesis 4-2, it says that Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Now we have to ask the question, why was it that Abel's portion uh, was accepted, but Cain's was not? You know, does God like animals more than God likes plants? No, that's clearly not it, because we understand that God is interested with the heart. See, we learn more about Cain and Abel by seeing their response. So, Cain, he had no regard, and Cain was angry. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, and, and literally the translation is Cain told his brother to come out to the field with him. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord proceeds to show him what he has done. See, we see that Abel, Cain brought some fruit of the ground, but Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. We see even in the giving that Abel is bringing the best of the best, the first that he gets. And yet we don't necessarily see that with Cain. It's certainly not pointed out. We see in how they respond. We don't see Abel bringing, but Cain is angry. He's very angry. Who's he angry at? It certainly looks like he's angry at Cain. He's not angry at God. See, wait, wait, time out, time out. Why, why did... Why did you accept his offering and not mine? He's angry. And then he does so. He's uncooperative with God. Am I my brother's keeper? But he's also premeditated, isn't he? 
You know, there's one thing of a crime of passion, which is horrible enough in itself. It's another if it's cold and it's calculating. That's why we have different degrees of murder in our system. And so, lo and behold, after God has given him this warning, watch out, pay attention to your heart. He goes and he talks to his brother and says, hey, come out to the field with me. And out in the field, unsuspecting Abel is murdered by Cain. You see, there's anger in Cain's heart. There's furiousness. Why? The issue here is lordship. You see, Abel's eyes were on God, but Cain's eyes were on Abel. Abel's love for God was selfless, but Cain's love was selfish. Abel's gift, his love to God was rejoicing, but Cain's love was resentful. And so Cain said, I must eliminate Abel, I must be first. See, at the end of the day, the center of Cain's life was Cain, and the center of Abel's life was God. See, we can't love others if we're the center of the universe. Abel loved God, but Cain loved himself. When you make yourself the center of the universe like Cain, what you become is this black hole, always drawing into yourself, but never giving out. Always taking, always wanting, always hungering, but never being satisfied. See, all glory and honor for Abel was due to God, but for Cain, all glory and honor was due to himself. If you and I take our eyes off God, we must invariably put them on ourselves. We must either praise God or become God. And if we become God, what a fearsome thing to behold. For we ask the question, why doesn't the world worship me? We come not to love others, but to be loved. And so in verse 13, the, the apostle says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you, because this is the world's plan. In other words, to be a Christian is to live differently. It's not to live in this Cain and Abel world. It's not to live as frenemies. It's to give of yourself. But the world says that equation we cannot tolerate. Because the survival of the fittest is whoever is the main person is God. And I want that to be me. It's interesting if you read the bios of some of these uh, celebrities. You know, I was reading uh, this, this gal who's you know, been in the uh, makeup and hairdressing business and so forth. And she's gotten to see several different celebrities uh, grow up, if you will, into stardom. From the beginning to the end. And her, her, um, her thinking was basically this, like her observation was in the beginning... Some of these people were the sweetest, non-assuming people that you ever could imagine. But as they got more and more accolades and more and more money and more and more adulation, they became tyrants. Not everyone. But it, it's like it was never enough. All of their dreams to be able to accomplish them were never enough because they kept on needing more and more and more. And she was the one that penned. They were a fearsome sight to behold. See, we make a choice when we're Cain and Abel. Are we going to love God or love ourselves? Because it's depending on if we love God, it's only then that we have the ability to love selflessly other people. See, love isn't love until you give it away. But you can't have love until you give it to God first. And then God gives you the love. So my question for you and for me today is, how is your offering? What's your offering to God? Forget the person to your right and left. Have you given God the first fruits of your crop? 
Have you said, God, before everybody else, before everything else, and even before myself, I will set my hope and affection on you? Because if you have done that, you have the freedom not to be a tyrant, not to be a black hole. You have the freedom to give of yourself. How do you feel about others in the church? How do you feel about your friends? Is there a darkness in your heart toward that frenemy, or is there a willingness to give? To open your heart to others. When we make our life a God-centered life, it will help us to love others. So you and I must change our offering. We must stop sacrificing at the table of this world. Ambition, desire, and hunger. We must take the first fruits of our flock to God. Because love is only love when you give it away. And when we decide to be able to give our love away to God, He will give us the love to love one another. So we've discussed what love is not, hopefully. Now we move into what love is. Number two, my second point, love brings life. Look at verse John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now these words about passing from life into death, we only hear them one other place in the scripture, John 5, 24. I tell you, he who believes God has eternal life and will not be condemned, he has crossed over from death to life. That's a passage about salvation. And so we could be tempted to look at this passage and say the same thing, this is about salvation. But I want to uh, say to you, I think not. I think that this is more about the experience of salvation. It's more about how we experience life. How do I know that? The first is it talks about loving the brothers. Okay, the brothers always talks about believers. These are folks, they'd only be your brothers or sisters if they were brothers or sisters in Christ. In other words, this is your Christian family. You're a part of it. Notice it also says, if anybody hates his brother, okay, he's making it very personable here. Okay, there's a reality of being a Christian. This is going to shock you, so just hold on to your chip. Christians can hate people too. Did you turn that off? Thank you very much. Okay. We can, let's be honest, can't we? See, we can be Christians, we can love Christ, and there can be people that just drive us crazy. And we're angry, we're upset, and we're hating. We can, we can act like this. We can hate our brother. Remember David, the man after God's own heart? Okay, what did he do? Not much different than Abel for, for a king for that matter, did he? Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's wife, just gunned him down in cold blood, sent him to the front of the ranks. What about Jesus speaking to the disciples on the Sermon on the Mount? If you have lust in your eyes, it's just like you committed adultery. And if you have hatred in your heart, it's just like you have murdered. And listen to 1 Peter 4.14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. But none of you should suffer as a murderer or a thief or an adult, uh, evildoer or a meddler. See, the reality is, my friends, is we struggle with hate. Even though we do know God. Even though we do love God. We're broken people. That's why we had confession a little while ago. But love brings life. Notice what it says here. It says that if you do not love God, nobody has 
don't want to misquote it. Uh, first John, but if anyone, oh, now my notes are off. This could be problematic. Here we go. Uh, verse John 3, 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. See, that word abiding is a participle. It means it's ongoing. He doesn't say no murderer has eternal life, does not have, it's about abiding. It's about what's going on in your heart right now. See, the reason that often we're missing all the blessedness of God in our heart is because we have hardness of our heart toward our brother. We can know the truth, but if we fail to live the truth, we don't experience the blessings of the love of God because we have hardened our heart. You can be a Christian and be miserable. How do I know that? Because I am sometimes. We're real people and we struggle. And that's why John is writing to them and to us saying that the eternal life that we're looking for, the love abiding in us, is based on the love that we have for one another. Now keep in mind, John said that eternal life in John 17 is this, that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So if you are hating your brother, you aren't having intimate fellowship with God. You're not having intimate fellowship with Christ. All the things that God designed you for, you are not receiving. Because hatred brings death. But love brings life. See, it's a strange thing going on here. That as we act like Cain, we actually bring death to ourselves. But if we give away our life like Jesus Christ, we actually experience His life in ourselves. Wasn't Jesus who was right? He who gives up his life will gain it, and he who keeps his life will lose it. See, a hatred brings an emptiness of our soul, but love brings life. 1 John 3, 16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. These words, no love, is in the perfect tense. What does it mean? It means that a change has come in our hearts once we learn to love. It's a permanency. It's a movement in our heart where we grow into maturity and faith. Jesus wants us to grow to maturity, and the only way we do so is by loving. I can sit here, I can teach you a ton of theology. I can tell you all about church history. We could go over some neat Greek verbs and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you want to grow, you have to give your life away. And it starts with the brothers. You know, it's easy to go off to another foreign country in many ways, isn't it? I'm going to go love those folks. I'll do it for a week. I'll never see you again. You know, but the person that sits right there on the sofa next to me, the guy across the street who never cleans up his yard, the co-worker at the cubicle who's always talking too loud. Now, some of them, to be sure, are unbelievers. And God says to love your enemies. But we could just as well say that about us, can't we? It's always little squabbles, little things in the church. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and can honestly say this. I love our church because we are a very loving church with one another. But we're people. And so the question is, will we give ourselves away like Christ? Because love brings life. Hatred brings death. I want you not only to know Christ... But I want you to know Him. The way we know Him 
by loving our brother. I uh, recently I was getting my pool ready for we were having this party coming over, and uh, you know pools are they're kind of like boats, you know you just you start throwing money in, you know, and it never quite comes back to you. <laughs> Unless you have kids. I love the pool because of the kids. It's, it's a love. My pool is my friend and me, I think. <laughs> right? I love it. I hate it. I love it. Well, the thing, you know, when you, so we had to take some water out and all that stuff. But once a liner, after a while, you know, that liner that goes around the pool, it starts to get old. It starts to harden. It starts to want to adhere to the walls. It loses its flexibility. And so when I had to pull some water out of it to put some new water... There was less pressure on it, and it couldn't handle it, and so it, it just tore. And so I wake up the next day, you know, where's my water? You know, because it's just flowing through this hole. You know, love and friendship are kind of like that, isn't it? Things change. It's hot. It's cold. Why are they acting like that? Why are they? And if we're not careful... If we don't continue to have our hearts softened by the Holy Spirit, we'll become fixed in our ways. I'm not budging. I'm not moving. You move. And our hearts do not experience the love of God, and we certainly don't experience intimacy with one another. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, has my heart hardened? Because love is not love until it's given away. You can be a murderer in your heart and take life, or you can be a life giver and give love. Who are you? Cain or Abel? God, show me your love and I will show it to others. We have a chance to experience His love all times. Going home, giving of yourself at the lunch table. Hey, I'll take this. I'll clean up after you. How are you doing? Placing a phone call. I've been thinking of it. You doing okay? Reaching out. Love brings life. I guarantee you, if you reach out in love, you'll experience the love of Christ. I'm kind of like the guy on that side there, and I'm almost afraid to step off. Because to love is to give yourself away, isn't it? But it's when you give yourself away that you find the love of Christ. What love is, love brings life. But love has legs. This brings me to my final point. 1 John 3, 17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Dear children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I wish love was clean and clinical, you know? I love Amazon. Anybody use Amazon? We use Amazon for everything now. You know, people say, hey, where do you, where do you shop? Where do you get your food? Oh, Amazon. Two days. It's easy. You click, It comes. You know, but wouldn't it be great if love was like that, you know? And, you know, Amazon, I do the Amazon book thing. You know, it's really personal. You know, boom, it's there. Love is messy. you got to get out of the car. you got to go. you got to, it's messy. It deals with the world's goods, doesn't it? Our stuff, our clothes, our food, our position, our strength. It's all of the things in the world. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Notice if he sees his brother in need, he's talking about people in the church here, and yet he closes his heart. 
word heart in the Greek, splagma. It means guts. It means basically all of your personal, your intimacy, your tenderness to close off against them. To, in essence, harden your heart. If I see he's in need and I harden my heart, how can God's love be abiding in me? See, our love reveals our heart. The reality of how I respond to the needs of my brother shows the depths of my love for God. And so the writer finishes with this, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The deed is with our hands. The truth is not giving lip service to love or a token, but rather pouring yourself out, giving yourself away. Because love has legs. I don't have an easy formula for you. I wish there was an Amazon of love. Push the button and here it comes. Love and our opportunities to love usually happen when we're in the middle of something else. You ever notice that? Ministry is what happens when you're on the way going to something else. And that opportunity. I remember one of my friends giving me this, this. He said, you love Jesus as much as the person you love least. Ooh. Love isn't love until you give it away. And we certainly can talk about loving your enemies and things like that, but this passage is focused on the church. It's focused on one another. So what are the bonds of affection that you have for each other? Have you stepped out? Have you put legs on their love? Go, brother. I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. You know, I'm so privileged there was a neat situation that happened recently in our church, and I'm going to bring out two names, and they would... Uh, I did not ask them because they would tell me not to, but Scott Manning and Brian Rico, uh, who are some guys in our church. They're part of our men's fellowship. Meets every Thursday, 6 a.m. Be there, or I'll go wake you up, men. Um, but one of the brothers in the congregation, in, in our men's ministry, who comes to church here, was really in some difficult circumstances and was going to have to uh, go away for a while, some for financial reasons, some things. Well, he has a relative, someone he takes care of, who is a shut-in and cannot take care of herself. And so this brother was experiencing the pain of, what am I going to do? I don't know. And, and this woman was experiencing the pain. And lo and behold, Ryan and Scott, both who have children, both who have commitments, both who have, came into this man's life and walked alongside him in this time of pain, ministering to him, and said to him, you know what? If this has to happen, we're going to take care of your mom while you're gone. You don't have to worry about it. We'll be there. Love has legs. That's a better sermon than I could ever preach right there. And that's what God is calling us each to do with one another. What kind of church would we be if we did that with one another? I bet we'd have to find a new place pretty quick. What do you think? People are looking for love. By this you will know that all men are your disciples. All, that you are my disciple if you love one another. But love isn't love until you give it away. You know, I've been profoundly challenged by this sermon. One of the challenges of preaching is you have to take your own medicine before you give it away. And, uh, you know, reckless love is a very dangerous thing. It's very dangerous. You don't know what's on the other side of it. And, and uh, you know, I just think to myself, I need to change the way I live. I'm not sure how, but you know, God's love, if it doesn't move in our hearts, if it doesn't change the way we live, if, if this 
place is not revolutionary in how we love one another when we're doing something wrong. We're missing it. But I know that God is here, and I know His Word is being preached, and so what it takes, honestly, is courage. It takes a 16-year-old boy going to Nicaragua for a month and saying, I'm going to love these kids, and I'm going to get in their world. And now he's back here, and it takes you and me making a phone call, stopping by. How are you doing? Love isn't love until you give it away. Love brings life. Love has legs. Love never fails. Christ's love never fails. Let's pray.